Hello, welcome to the Surgeons of Horror podcast, and it is officially Alien Day. I'm your host, Saul Muerte, and we're back again this year to look at another installment of the Alien franchise. If you've tuned in before, we have delved into Alien, Aliens, and Alien 3, uh, and uh, we even did an, an Alien commentary at one point, um, so do check that out in our previous podcasts. In order to do this, though, I need to have an offsider to talk me through the plot um, of what will be our current podcast discussions on Alien Resurrection, the fourth installment. And, of course, it's going to be Anthony the Big Cheese Yee because he joined me on the other one. So please welcome Anthony on board this podcast. Thanks for joining us, Ant. Hi. Hello. I want to thank... uh... Gray Bollamy uh, and uh, Meredith Ferguson for filling in for me last time. And I it very hard. <laughs> You're jumping the gun. Um, she's, she's not back yet. She's not back yet. Yeah, she's not. Okay. Yeah. By the time you play this, it's out of order. Old it's blood. Fine. Old blood is new blood again. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, let's have my voice talking about aliens again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, which, which, which one are we doing? Oh, alien Resurrection, my friend. Alien I thought we talked about this. Have we not talked about this no, before? No, you said this before, man. I know we haven't. Have That's what I've said before, though. Yeah, you keep saying that we've talked about it. Maybe it's because you want to have spoken I about it. I do want to talk about it. You kind of want to get you it out of the way. It is, it is a bit... <laughs> because, you know, if, we thought, if, if we thought Alien 3 was uh, the red herring of the, uh, of the group, this is, uh, this is taking it to a new level. I, um, obviously, I have seen this before. I've seen it many times. And, um, and before I kind of open that door and ask you the question of when you first watched it um, and your experience of it at the time, I am going to just, uh, I, I've been trying to kind of get a bit more uh, interactive with Letterboxd at the moment. So kind of recording when I'm watching stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I, so I rewatched this movie again last night before we do this uh, record of the podcast. And yeah. I, I went in and I logged, logged my uh, record of watching it last night. And I noticed that I had logged it before. So clearly I had watched it, must have watched it semi, semi recently. And I was, um, looked at my rating and I gave it two and a half stars at the time. And, oh, really? and I, I, I started watching it uh, last night, as I said, but it was kind of getting to the, and this is, this is how anal I can be. And I wanted yeah. to make sure I recorded it on the proper date because I knew that by the time the film finished, it would be technically today because uh, I was <laughs> in the wee small hours. And, yeah. and I thought, oh, okay, no, no, I'll, um, I'll quickly log it now. And I gave it, I gave it a rating. I looked at it and went, hold on, I gave it two and a half stars? Nah, it's better than that, surely. I'll, I'll just bump it up half a star. I'll give it a three-star rating. <laughs> Before having watched it through, now I'm and I'm tipping my hat a little bit early. Um, and I admittedly, there are bits that I do like about this film, and, and that might be stuff we kind of get through as we talk about it. But mm. now, here's the thing that when it got to the final uh third of the movie, the final act, I yeah. started going, mm, Yeah, I think I know why I gave it two and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, when it loses the plot, it loses it in a big way. And yeah. I guess this is where it comes to, and I know this is going to be t- uh, leaning to, and I'm speaking on your behalf here, and, uh, yeah. but I was reading that initially uh, Josh Whedon was on board to write the film script. And he did. He uh, uh, had um, the third act was actually on Earth, apparently, 
with a final yeah. bat battle taking place on Earth itself. And he apparently, I'm looking at Wikipedia here, so I don't know how faithful it is, but apparently he wrote five versions of the final act and none of it obviously ended up in the film. So one of the things that I want us to scrutinize as we kind of come to this is, is there a big problem with the final act? And if so, what is that problem? But <laughs> before we we'll get, get to that, before we get to that, <laughs> yeah. we'll rewind a little bit. Now, let's talk at it through. So... Uh, I should probably mention as well that Jean-Pierre Jeunet is the director of this, who's yes. the guy that got given the go-ahead. Now, he was known at the time of um, uh, making a lot of these avant-garde kind of French films. Yeah. Um, Delicatessen was probably the big, big one that came out like 91. That had a lot of cult following that followed it. Um, and, then, um, and then he kind of a little bit of, of success as well with City of Lost Children. Uh, and that's when he got given this, this film. So, again, given a, a big property to uh, an experimental filmmaker, and they did that with Fincher in the previous film. Too, yeah, well, right? yeah, so, Fincher was a Madonna video clip maker. Yeah, so in that sense, it kind of made sense. They wanted to kind of still be a bit bold and experimental with who they were passing that well, to. Well, Cameron, Cameron technically was a bold, a risky <laughs> choice because because well, even though Terminator had come out and it was a success, yeah. it was a, very much an indie film. Sure. Indie film with commercial ambitions. And, yeah. And he was, it could have been lightning in the bottle. How good was he? We don't know. It, it was a, it, it just seemed to be right, but yeah. We still don't know how good this guy is. He made Piranha before that, right? Piranha 2 or whatever it was. Yeah, the yeah, Piranha, yeah. The, the Piranha. So he was basically a hired gun, effectively, and the Hugh Newley turned out that he'd be an auteur and a genius filmmaker. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was influencing their thinking or like, well, we took a risk with Cameron, maybe this feature guy will work out. And, and this is the thing, like, well, and we'll come to the re the reaction that this particular movie got by the time it hit the screens, but, like, mm -hmm. needless to say, uh, Jeanet wouldn't actually release another feature film for another four years. But the one he did was Amelie, which was one of the biggest successful yeah. Uh, uh, French uh, films to, uh, of recent years to have come out. Um, and and it, it went in a big, big way. So it, it's not like he's not an auteur in his own right. It's just, does, mm. he, does he work in this kind of realm? Hmm, question mark. Mm. So when you came to watch this film, so we're talking about 1997, I want to say, when it was released. And uh, um, so when it came out, Yes. What were your expectations of this movie before you saw it? I'm presuming I'm presuming you went to see this in the, in the cinema. Um, yeah. And so, what was your expectations of this movie, considering that Alien Three didn't didn't quite hit the mark of the previous two films? Um, my background with this film. Well, firstly, I was expecting it to be shit, but okay. not for the usual reasons. Um, the reasons I read it, I read the script. Um, oh, yeah, so by the stage, the AIM franchise had become a joke because yeah. the third film was such a major disappointment. She sure. died, Shogun Sigourney had died because she wanted to be out of it, and yep. okay, you died, and you, she comes back. So, the only thing that makes you think, Why did she come back? They threw money at her, and so yeah. the cynicism level for me, and I think for a lot of people, is right to the roof in terms of this franchise has gone off the rails, it's probably gonna be shit. The third film was shit. Yep. They got lightning struck twice with the first two films, but obviously the new filmmakers have come in, they've got no idea. Shit, blah. Well, so, uh, back then, I, this is my uni day, so we're talking three years before, I had four, two years, three, two years before, I'm now mm -hmm. segueing out of uni. 
Um, there was, I, I was doing Kung Fu in Sussex Street. That was my big sojourn to finding my Chinese identity is to get into martial arts. Yep. Um, uh, and next to the Kung Fu, uh, not dojo, place that I went to train yes. was a shop that specialised in movie scripts, ah. which back then in Australia was like, holy fuck. So you walked in and there's all these film scripts, movie scripts, famous, published, unpublished, but uh, and yeah, just all these different film scripts from American TV shows to American films for like a film buff like me and a film student. Yeah, this place was Nirvana. So the first thing I ever bought there was this yellow papered script called Friends based on a sitcom that had just launched in the state in the States. Never I heard, heard about it. Heard about it. Yeah, well, I, I had. And I'm like, oh, here's <laughs> like the best thing since sliced bread. How funny could it be? Bought it, took it. I remember sitting in a cafe, had a coffee, read it from cover to cover. And I was thinking, this is fucking genius. Like, it really reads well off the page. And I think it's right. Anyway, second time I went there, I found this thing, Orange Script. I still have it. It said, Annie Resurrection by Joss Whedon. And so I was like, oh, okay, this is the actual film. And I, at the time, I thought maybe it had not gotten made, which is why the script had been released. I don't yeah. know. But I remember reading it. <laughs> My first, I might even say this out loud, but after I closed the final page, I said, I don't know who this Joss Whedon is, but she'll never work in Hollywood again. It was such a bad script. Oh dear. And 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 the thing is, obviously, I am a, such a Joss Whedon fan. At this point in history, I'd probably even call myself a Joss Whedon apologist because right now his yeah. name is Mud. Yeah, he's going through. Um, uh, he's going through a rough time. Mm. Um, and yeah. I'm I'm just you know I am. You know the whole thing. Don't meet your heroes. Um, yes, and yes. I, I, and I, I met him about 10, 15 years ago. This is when Serenity had just come out. Uh-huh. And and I was like, well, he's the one guy who breaks that rule because he was amazing. He was charming. He was sweet, funny, clearly very intelligent, clearly very passionate about not only films but the sort of films that I'm a fan of. So I came away thinking, I've just met my hero and he's better, more awesome than I thought he was. And this is just before the internet was a huge thing. Yep. He'd, he'd come to Australia to do a press tour for 48 hours and fly back to LA. He said at the time, I'm not going to get any sleep, so I'll take advantage of uh, this thing. It wasn't Twitter. It was his actual message board on his website mm-hmm. and said to people, if anyone's going to be in Sydney between this time and this day, I'm going to be at this pub, so if any fans want to meet me, I'll say hi. Which at that time, back in, I think it was 2003, like that was like genius. Who the fuck does that? Yeah, yeah. In that way. And that's it. He turned up this pub, and apparently a lot of people turned up, and he was really charming and funny mm-hmm. and really expand down to earth. Um, so yeah, I was like, this guy gets it. He rules. He's great. Um, and like the camera crew, I was like, the camera crew could tell because before the interview, they were like, "You're really kind of jittery. Like, You're better. He made one of my heroes." They hadn't heard of him. They didn't watch yeah. Buffy. They didn't know what that was about. Yeah. At the end of it, they were like, "Well, I kind of get it. This guy's really cool." I'm like, yeah, he is. He is, isn't he, man? So, um, and so to. Don't meet your heroes because I disappoint you. Who knew for me that that was going to happen 15 years later? Yeah. As all these allegations have just let me go. Work. Yeah. Uh, but as an apologist, I'm like, I'm like going, well, I'm thinking in the context of what these complaints are, it doesn't excuse his behaviour, but I kind of get it because mm. I think he's probably come up through a Hollywood system as this is how you run a show and this is how you get a movie made is by behaving this way. Yeah. Um, now the rumors at this point in time is that he's just been a bully. Yeah. Uh, again, not cool, never cool. Mm. He's been called out on it, and if that's the case, yeah, right. So, 
but he's not a Harvey Weinstein, which is like, like that's a terrible yeah, thing. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of clutching at straws when you're trying to oh, hey, yeah, I killed the guy, but I'm not Hitler. Um, <laughs> again, not that he did that either, but I'm saying he's like, look, you know, I don't, and again, I'm not, it, it is getting to the point when Ray Fisher comes out, and I'm going off on, on the tangent, but it's going to the point where Ray Fisher comes out with yet another complaint about him. Yeah. It's even getting to the point where, okay, dude, the body, the guy's on the ground. Mm. Don't stop. Keep stop playing. That's what again, and that makes me sound like an apologist, and I, I, I don't, um, I don't want to be that because I, I think there's enough smoke that there's fire with Joss at this stage. Yeah, and and the fact that he hasn't come out and said anything, and again, there's nothing. He, probably he's come to the point now where he can't say anything, or he's not going to get pilled no matter what he says. Mm. So mm. okay, that means he will probably disappear in this obscurity at this point. I, I don't know. He made. Some sort of BBC series at the moment, like The Irregulars on Netflix, but better. Because have you seen The Irregulars on oh, Netflix? Is that him? Is it's, that the, the show? No, 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 no. Thing, no, no. It's, sim- it's similar. It's similar. It's something called The Extraordinary. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The Irregulars is set at the same time and has a similar concept. Mm-hmm. And it's shit. Uh, um, and yeah, straight away, right. based on the trailers, you could tell from Weedensing it's going to be a lot better. But yeah, um, I think whether he comes back or not, um, uh, that's what I'm most angry about is that he'll probably won't be able to make anything again. Yeah. Um, or if he does, it'll always be seen through the lens of Yeah. He's that, that. guy. And he'll be and he'll be he'll be attacked for it. Yeah. Uh yeah. when people yeah. coming out and, and sort of like uh, recently a Gal Gadot um Yes has yeah. come out and slammed him and so has uh the filmmaker behind Wonder Woman, what's her name? Jenkins, Patty Jenkins. I've come out, and people were saying that her, the, like Patty Jenkins, is a bit of filmmaker and weird, and she's not. But the scene, you know, what I'm saying the scene through that lens of like, well, her stuff yeah. is proper feminist and probably woke, and, and it's true. Like, you know, the, there was that there was a decision early on in Wonder Woman, what in the backstory behind the Amazons is uh, that they were raped, and that's why they by their their oppressors, and then oh, okay. they they founded the island and became warrior women, and Patty Jenkins. And I think right the same way, the right call again. No, 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 I'm not going there. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is that people won't be able to judge Wynn's work. Is this good storytelling? Yeah. And I don't think, see, the one, you know, the Wonder Woman films are not great storytelling. But I think Wynn gets it. But mm. again, I'm so disappointed in, what, in his behavior to the point, because I'm not, a, I can't be a fan of his work anymore. Well, it's hard. Though, isn't it? I can't like, be a fan of his like, new work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have a, I, and again, like we will get to talk about Alien Resurrection. Um, <laughs> Sorry, this is the podcast one. But um, I have a similar thing with Roman Polanski, right? Because I, yeah, I yeah, admire yeah. his work as a director, but yeah. man, he's got some serious fucking issues, right? Yeah. So um, it's called the Michael, I call it the Michael Jackson effect. Mm, I, yeah. I, I believe, like, you know, nothing's been substantiated officially, but I believe right. in that particular case, there's a lot of smoke. And I'm inclined to yeah, believe yeah. Jesus, mm. but if you put Billy Jean on, I'm going to tap my feet to it. I yeah. can't not. I can't not. So yeah. it's, I, know, it's it's, I, I don't know what the answer is. Oh, no, I don't no, know no. the answer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, man. Yeah, sorry. No, so no, no, we're no, no, no. two well, now. It's, it's all relative because Whedon <laughs> yeah. wasn't yeah. initially behind. He was a nobody back then. He was a nobody yeah. back then. And the script, okay. honestly, back to the script, it reads really shit. Yeah. Um, and I've mentioned this, I think, in a couple other alien podcasts, but I'm reading it again. The the the, the highlight of this script is when one of the characters tells another character to fuck off yep. by saying, with all due respect, sir, eat my fuck. Oh. <laughs> what? Who writes that? <laughs> what? 
<laughs> that was a highlight of that script. Oh, nice. It's really, it's, oh, it really, that's it. I was yeah. trying to think, yeah. right? I, it was reminding me of another quote, and I couldn't think what it was. It was Donnie Darko, and Maggie Gyllenhaal says to Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, Donnie Darko character, says, Go suck a fuck. And his response is, How exactly does one suck a fuck? <laughs> um, it's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's in uh, Silicon Valley. Eat my piss. Eat my piss. <laughs> no, I haven't. I, I never. I never got into Silicon Valley. Anyway, oh, it's all good. Love it. um, anyway, but um, yeah. listen, I will say this: the script that I read, the version of it, is actually remarkably similar to the final product. On page. Oh, really? Okay. All right. So coming to that then, so like you, so you read the script before you saw the movie. Is that correct? Yes. That's what you said. Yes. So when you then went to see the movie. Um, uh, you went in pretty much knowing the gist of it. Did yes. uh, and you're saying to me at the time of viewing it, um, you kind of flatlined a little bit in that it, it just it just measured up to what your expectations was. Well, this is another interesting tangent. It won't be as big a tangent as before, and I do apologize. Yeah. To you, but no, no, no. I'm just reading around. Um, but I remember. I remember going through film school, and the whole point is. The, the, the film school, everybody, all the students had to make a film, obviously, a graduating film. And yeah. What it could be, it could be anything, any format you can you can get, you can manage, mm-hmm. any duration you can manage, as long as you get sent in on time. Um, and so that meant, obviously, and we didn't know what the word auteur was, but it was actually assumed that whatever film that you're going to direct, that you yep. would write. And so everybody were auteurs, I was writer directors, right? And then a friend of mine, Simon, Simon Moore, if you're out there from Fine, Fine Music FM, Simon, he's, he's graduating film. He directed it, but it was written by a friend of his, Kate Orman, who's a Doctor Who author. Kate Orman, can really watch. She's very, very talented. And this discussion came up in class, like this, and by a lecturer, uh, who's a filmmaker herself, and she said, "There's an interesting dynamic happens that whenever somebody else directs somebody else's written work, something really interesting happens in the work." And yeah. she and she said to us, "Watch people's work closely because you're." want to make your own films and so you're at this early stage where you're a writer director yep which most young filmmakers tend to be it's only when they get older and they get established and particularly when they start working that some directors go you know what i hate writing i'm gonna hire a writer i'm gonna tell him what i want and then you write it and i'll fucking direct it mm-hmm. others are like you know what i love writing the directing is really stressful i'll keep that and you direct it and others like i can't do both i can't do anything but both to have the control over it so, like, George Lucas is a great example, wrote and directed Star Wars because nobody else got it. It was all in his head. Yeah, Once it yeah. got out of his head, he was like, thank fuck, because I hate directing. It stresses the hell out of me. I'm going to hire a director. I'm going to hire a writer to tell him what to do. Um, and, that's, and that's how he developed as a filmmaker because that's when he realised he doesn't like fucking directing. He doesn't like writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so but it, it was interesting. This That stuck with me because every film I've made and still want to make i can't imagine not writing it and vice versa mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i have written other people i have directed other people's written works in, in commercials and whatever it's not quite the same i've directed other people's skits so short film comedy skits I've yes done that. yes you have yeah and and, and, I, and I when i when i have done that i've always looked that my lecturer's quote has kind of always come back to me because i've always been like yes I want, this is going to be a unique experience directing somebody else's words and it is, and it's one of those things of like what my lecture was getting at is that that those that 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 classic thing of divorcing yourself by one step by stepping back and not being too close to something, mm. you can find gems that blah blah. blah. So 
this film when I saw it, I would come away thinking, "Oh, that's what he meant." <laughs> uh, I didn't, I couldn't see the stuff that he was writing. I it just, ah, okay, this came across as it didn't just seem, it didn't seem interesting, sexy, or dynamic at all. And when mm-hmm. I saw it, I was like, "Oh," and that was to me. And the thing, my first thought was not so much. And this says a lot about my ego. My first thought was not so much. Oh, I failed to interpret what was written on the page. My first thought was like, wow, how good is this filmmaker? He was able to take a turd and make it look half decent. And I did, th- I did think that. I thought, this, this is, and I'm thinking, this is what a director should do. This is what a director's hired to do. Is that it's yeah. and that whole thing of like, there's no bad actors, there's only bad small small actors, or there's no bad actors, only bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no bad, there's no bad parts, there's only bad actors. Sorry, that's yep. the point. Yeah, it's a bit like that. The director's job is to take something and go, okay. This doesn't really brilliant. How can I make it brilliant? And I think, yeah. considering how much of a turn of a script it was, and I'm not laying it solely on Whedon's uh, feet because obviously it's gone through so many changes in the third act. Yeah, yes, are. yes. Um, but I think this director had did as well as he could with what he had because I remember thinking it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, and that's because maybe again I went through such low expectations. I expected it to be shit. Yeah. And as opposed to just ah, oh, it's yeah. But I thought. It had a stylized look. I had some of the action sequences read, yeah, it didn't read well on paper, but that it came alive on the screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, um, this is my really long convoluted way of saying the director did his job as best he could. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that would then kind of marry as well with the fact that, as we already established, that Jeunet, uh was was hired for this because of what he had uh, proved himself to be capable of in the past. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, I'm saying pre, <laughs> pre-alien resurrection, um, and yeah. So that kind of, that to me kind of makes a lot of sense, and that's interesting. Although I do find it uh, interesting as well in the sense that, as I said at the beginning, that when I came around to watching this and seeing my my initial review of it, thinking that was too low, and I immediately bumped it up. But then by the end of it, I was like, no, nah, I probably was a bit more on the money to begin with. <laughs> um, so interesting journey I took while I was watching it because, yeah. I, and maybe there's elements that I kind of like about it. I, I like, I do like the, the group, the troop um, yes. that's involved with it. I like that. And you can see that a lot of uh, Josh Whedon's kind of... Uh, oh, man, it's, it's so funny. The the going on, can it? Yeah, the firefight crew. They are so yeah. the Yeah, 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 crew. exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and that's evidence of that that's kind of pouring through. So oh, yeah, the so biggest there's, evidence is uh, there's a guy with a girl's name. Uh, One guy has a girl's name. It's um, okay. Now you Christy. Yeah, Christy. 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 Yeah, Gary. Gary. Gary It's called Christy, and you yeah. had the guy called Jane in Firefly. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So all right. Let Let's start looking at the. Let's look at the narrative because I'm realizing that we're probably. I I don't have the the timer in front of me, but I'm realizing probably about twenty minutes in, or thereabouts. So let's <laughs> uh, let's start kind of dissecting this fairly quickly. Those of you that are are new to the scene, you know, the idea is that we will kind of dissect the movie and we're going to draw particularly draw out the moments that resonate with us for good or ill as we plow through the narrative as i said in a, in a pretty quick fashion probably the biggest thing to, to talk about uh, from the get-go though is that we are the, the movie itself is set 200 years after yes. we last picked up which from alien 3 so there's you know there's a lot of stuff that's happened um beyond then and, and we're very much uh, the more you watch about this and this kind of maybe 
lends itself probably uh, when you look at the four original movies, the one that lends itself closest to what Prometheus would then not go on to become. Mm. In the sense that it's all oh, yeah. about uh, is all about science and DNA and um, cloning and manipulating with um, you know DNA essentially and trying to yeah, recreate yeah. these things. So uh, and that's where we we are on board like a, a, a science spaceship, um, which I'm looking at here is called the USN or Origa, and I apologise if I'm not saying that correctly. Um, and they, at this stage, they're working on a, on a secret kind of project for the military. And they've been attempting to produce the clone of Ellen Ripley, uh, working on a blood sample that was collected from the Florina 161, which was the, 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 uh, yeah, the prison uh, planet. Sun moon, or yeah. moon, or whatever it was that it was set on, um, where Ripley died in the, in the third film. In doing so, they hope to uh, harvest the alien embryo within inside her, uh, which happens to be a queen um, of the species. And and, um, and we have are we introduced to a couple of key scientists at this point. There's Dr. Wren, played by J.E. Freeman, um, and his team of colleagues have succeeded with their eighth attempt at cloning the, um, Ripley. And they are um, trying to dice, uh, basically, uh, not dissect, they're trying to um, uh, cut open the, the body to perform a caesarean um, and give yeah, birth yeah, to yeah. this a- alien creature. Uh, and at the hands of this is uh, the Dr. Wren's colleague, Dr. Gediman, played by the brilliant Brad, Brad Dourif. And yeah, every, like time, every time I watch this, I forget he's in this. And I, yeah. every time I watch it, I go, how did I forget he's in, he's in this? He's brilliant in this. I love that. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. And they decide to keep the, uh, the clone of Ellen alive, uh, of Ripley, I should say, alive, um, after the success of giving birth to the alien creature, the xenomorph. And they repair her wound and she recovers. Uh, and this is where she uh, awakens for the first time. There's this weird blanket cobweb moment i still don't get that visually why that suddenly happens because she wasn't wearing that during the operation why do they suddenly just go we're gonna cocoon you and yeah uh, she sticks her nails yeah yeah and you're like we're going to re you're going to be reborn in this moment but you're like she already was anyway yeah uh it's 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 artistic experimentation for this is the yeah Um, yeah, yeah, just just let him do it just let him do it we know it's fucking nuts um uh yeah so anyway she and but this is where she notices the tattoo on her arm of uh the number eight uh and she's like oh that's interesting wonder what that means um, it's an infinity symbol. So, what are we making of this early, early entry into the into the universe we're presented with at this point? Again, well, I said I, I remember thinking visually, okay, it looks visually better than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, probably speaks more to my the limitations of my imagination because the design of it and the lens and the color scheme is all pretty cool. The actual um, crew. Are we introduced to the crew at this point? No. No, okay. Um, yeah, again, I, it was all... <laughs> this, this is just again, the opening bit with you. Know, I, I think that, you know, I think obviously in the script, you meet the crew first, I think, in that version of the script. Ah, so okay. I'm saying what I just said, it does, this is actually quite different. But, um, um, but yeah, the whole point, I guess we might be skipping ahead here, is that the, the, the crew, the yeah. crew has been hired to do something off book. And that's why yeah. they're mercenaries, which is why the, the captain of this 
Aruga? Aruga! We're good to call Aruga! Aruga! Through his sort of uh, under, under the table contacts, has contacted the yeah. mercenary guy to bring him special cargo because they need the special cargo to complete the experiments. Mm-hmm. The special cargo being people uh, in cryogenic stasis. And That's crazy. And again, again, think if you're going to go Firefly, think of Mal being asked to carry. Um, yeah, bunch of people. So, because Mal, yeah. in if this the Firefly crew, Mal would have had a problem with this. Yes. That, that would be the story. Whereas this guy is a bit less morally tied down by such thing. Yeah, um, and we'll yes. come to his character soon, actually. Um, okay, so uh, so Ripley, so we'll rewind a little bit because we have the bit where the clone yeah. of Ripley begins to gain consciousness, at consciousness um, and she's a lot more mature than we've seen her in the earlier sequence. Um, the ship's doctor because he shows they show her cards. They show her, like, yeah, cards there's a lot of these made. exercises, like both yeah. mental and physical stuff that she goes through, uh, around language and learning, and and she's responding favorably. Um, and she also has this At one point, she says, fuck, doesn't she? Fuck, she said, one of the cards, one of the cards uh, was something, was yeah, fucking, something? yeah, she says, fucking fuck, or something. Fuck, or fuck. Fuck. And, and again, when I read this, I'm like, oh, this, this, who this, who this just winning is she. She thinks or he thinks they're being witty, but like this, it reads really dumb. It really, it yeah, does. yeah. So, but interestingly, though, this the uh, character of Ripley is very different, and this is the uh, evidence we yeah. start getting of this is quite early on with these kind of predatory kind of uh, yeah. physical kind of components that she's able to have, like well, her uh, breaking her bonds and attacking her black, the, the, and yeah. her, her nails are black and they're like claws. So straight away, you're getting a sense that, yeah, this isn't Ripley. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, is, this a, is a very different piece. And apparently this is what excited uh, Weaver about the initial script because she was like, I don't want to just be like Ripley kind of being victim. reborn and, you know, always uh, being chased by monsters in space. Uh, yeah. So this was slightly different and that's why she was like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting because I get to play Ripley in a slightly different way because she's not completely human anymore. She's got this alien kind of uh, animalistic kind of side of her which is kind of interesting to play. And I get that as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be kind of a cool place to go. Um, And uh, so because she shares this DNA with the alien creatures when they uh, were cloning her. Um, And uh, what else was I going to say? And also her blood is, has the acidic kind of component as well, which gets a little bit overplayed if I'm going to be honest in this movie yeah. like it gets used a heck of a lot and even in the climax it's, it's yeah, what yeah. saves her um, but anyway it's that's just my little gripe about it and the uh, we also meet General Perez who is played by Dan Hedaya um, and he's the military kind of figure who's in charge of the operation and he basically treats uh, Sigourney uh, Ripley as a meat byproduct he doesn't see her as, as service to requirements um and uh he's only interested in the alien queen um which has been also growing in its little cell and it's now almost full size and it's contained as i said within the cell on the ship uh, or or so far it's contained yes and uh what was i going to say with that the the whole there's a one point with the and it comes back a little bit later on but the way they get through security doors is that they breathe on. Breathe on them, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember going, yeah, that doesn't fly. Um, because I just <laughs> thought, again, well, I, well, what was it DNA though? But like, if it's DNA, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. no, it's, well, I think at that stage, I reckon the scans were starting to become a real thing. 
Yeah, okay. So I'm up to that point where I read the scans with science fiction, but the sound of a real thing. So they're like, we're going to move on to the next science yeah. fiction thing, and, and fingerprints have been done. So Breath is the, the third one. The next one's I did, yeah, I just thought that could easily be um, kind of uh, uh, what's the what am I trying to say hacked and and that proves yeah, to be the I've case seen movies where they, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they do that. Yeah, they, they hack it. The thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. I can't remember if that was in the, the script either, but yeah, maybe. Hmm. Okay, so um, so basically, Ripley's starting to get a sense of what's happening. Uh, one day, she's eating with uh, Gediman. Um, and uh, she reveals a startling flash of her former self. So like memory from previous um, Ripley um, incarnation. Um, and it seems, um, yeah, that there also some of the personality traits are present as well. Um, and it's almost um, like Ripley starting to awaken to herself and her yes. former life. And she has fragments, uh, oh, sorry, a broken conversation at one point with Gediman. Um, and Gediman uh, tells her how they, because she's kind of trying to work out where she came from and he kind of talks her through how, how she came to be. Um, and she instinctively knows that the queen, alien queen, is what's on board the ship. On board. Yes. Um, and she basically says, you can't control it. You're fucked. Uh, okay, now we get the Betty, the ship with the, the ragtag kind of crew that we're coming to the point where you're getting to. Um, and they have the cryogenic kind of containers with the uh, human cargo, and um, which they hijacked and, uh, from their cryogenic sleep. And they're bringing it on board the ship. The crew is made up of Frank Elgin, played by Ma- Michael Wincott. Um, at the time, I want to. I can't. I have to check my figures, uh, my stats. But I want to say he may have already been uh, in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, with Costner at this stage. Um, for me, he was more uh, the the bad guy in the Crow, Brandon Lee. Yeah, he's the bad. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, I, I, around that time, so I kind of knew yeah. him more from that. Um, yeah. But uh, other than that, he Musket- the Three Musketeers wasn't he the bad guy? Ooh, as well? ooh, ooh, now you're talking. Yes, he was in that. Um, yeah. I can't remember the time frame of all those films, but it was roughly around this time frame. Yeah. And so, to me, when I was rewatching, I was going, "Oh yeah, I forgot again. Forgot he was in this." Um, and <laughs> interesting where they go with that character, which we'll get to when we get to that particular point. Um, and they deliver the, uh, the sleeping travelers to their destination to be uh, used as breeding ground for the alien creatures. Before long, uh, the kidnapped people have been impregnated with the alien creatures, um, and a number of drone aliens are now in containment units on board the ship. Uh, the Betty crew then find uh, Ripley exercising in a uh, recreation center with basketball. This is where we get a proper introduction to Jonna, played by ron perlman who yeah. is hellboy and a whole plethora of other stuff that he's been in um, but up to this point he was the beast and being the beast and so he was supposed to be this gen- and this i gentle love that series which says a lot about me uh, yeah. Um, but yeah i loved that series when i was a kid um but yeah so like he's yeah so he was known as as the guy that kind of was uh, willing to kind of don a lot of makeup essentially um, and be a brooding figure on screen. And he has made a big name for himself being a very kind of physical presence on screen. 
Um, he also gets a lot of the shitty one-liners, I have to say, in this. But, um, uh, yeah, but that's, my again, my own personal thoughts. Um, they have a bit of a in, uh, coming together and a bit of a, uh, a scrap. Um, and this is also where we... It's a bit flirtatious, but a bit physical, too. And Rip, but Ripley kind of basically yeah it's the classic thing where he hits on her and blah blah yeah and then um and she defends herself and she's beats the shit out of these people and and one point one of the characters christy the guy guy with the girl's name yeah smacks her straight in the face with a dumbbell yeah and she she doesn't flinch she flinches and that's all she does yeah yeah but then she learns quickly though because he goes to do it again and she moves yeah and i was like oh yes yeah interesting and then she bleeds from that, and you see yeah. some of the blood hit the floor. And the big, the big thing, a this is definitely not moving before. She's getting to be a badass action hero straight away. Even I back then was thinking, okay, this is how they convinced her to come back because that she's going to be not a victim anymore. She's going to be proactive and cool, yeah, and do kung fu. She doesn't do kung fu, but she's basically I know kung fu. Awesome. She's just basically a fucking Terminator. She can move fast and yeah, pretty much. Uh, the end of the scene being she walks back. Because she's basketball. This is again. This is so fucking dumb. And, and I'm gonna bring this back to this point. Hey, it's 200 years in the future now. Um, I get, <laughs> I, I get the century that we're living in, and the century that you and I came from. Yeah. The 20th century has been the most remarkable century in all of human progress thus far. In that, no other century in humanity's time has our technology just leapt forward. Mm-hmm. At an exponential rate. So, 19, 1900, the year 1900 is so different to the year 2000. Yep. It's just a different universe. So, I'm used to living in a technolo- world where technology progresses at a very sharp pace. So, back then, I assumed, okay, the aliens are in the future. We couldn't ha- our technology couldn't handle them. 200 years later, I just assumed that technology had gotten so awesome, we knew what aliens were, we could handle them. But obviously, it hasn't, even though they say, loop service to like oh it's 20 years in the future the technology and everything else i have is basically the same as all the other previous films yeah and they play basketball what the fuck are you telling me are you telling me that basketball is is not allowed to die i mean come on it's it's (laughs) it's oh if they say it was space basketball or if it was like space jam space jam which is remade did you remember Do you remember Battlestar Galactica? They had this some version of like it's like it's really. I remember that seventies porn. The way they dressed was like really odd, and they all hold That's each other. Why I remember it. Yeah, yeah. like this weird set before they do the and I, and like, I would accept it. <laughs> I would have accepted that as as kind of yeah, understandable porn yeah. as it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> as like this is this future version of basketball. Basically, it's traditional basketball. Anyway, and one, and so. At one point when she leaves the scene is that she she's so fucking awesome as an alien. She throws the ball over her shoulder without looking and the ball yep. lands right through the net. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing you've probably heard about this, and I'm not telling anybody out there anything new, but she was obsessed with getting this right yeah. as an actress because the filmmakers were like, well, fake it. They didn't have to do CGI. We can just fake it. But she said, no, I'll do it. And she practiced how many hours a day to do it. And she got to the point where she could do it once in maybe nine attempts. Yep. And that was the first take. She tried it. She nailed it. Uh, Ron Perlman is just about to turn around and go <gasps> to camera as if she nailed it because he didn't know that she'd been practicing so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to cut just beforehand. And I think the way she threw it, it goes out of frame anyway. Yeah. And lands into the hoop. So my when I first saw it as a kid, I was like, well obviously that's fake. 
because yes. you know the ball got out of frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, as hard as all that effort you wanted to do a non CGI in camera take, it was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's all I remember from that scene. <laughs> No, no, no. That's right. And I, yeah, I remember yeah. reading about that recently in the lead up to this record as well. And I, yeah. I didn't actually know that fact. So it was quite yeah, cool no, to read true, that. Yeah. And go, oh, okay. But yeah, if you watch on YouTube, the, literally yeah. the next frame is Ron Coleman turning the camera, going. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to check that shit out. Okay. So the only other character, well, there's two other characters, but one, the key kind of character of the, well, actually there's three characters, <laughs> sorry. But the key character left is um, the young Wayfish girl who's named Anna Lee Cole, played by Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. So at this point, her career, she's already done the shoplifting or she's about to do the shoplifting? Uh, might have just been about to do it, I think. Yeah, I think somewhere around that point. But her star... Because, well, like, 98 was Shakespeare in Love, yeah? Was she in Shakespeare in Love? No, no, but she was dating Ben Affleck and, or oh. no, no, the other way around. She was dating Matt Damon and I think uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was dating Ben Affleck. Uh, right, okay. Or something like that. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, because Ben Affleck had an issue with her uh, Gwyneth Paltrow stripping off in the movie. Um, oh, really? They were dating at the time. Now, they... Um, yeah, and I think that that's why the whole there's this there was a whole big thing about I prefer to be a Winona Ryder than a Gwyneth Paltrow because Gwyneth Paltrow is plain as nothing, whereas at least Winona Ryder has Winona Ryder has character. Um, but all that time was I think shortly after that I think is when the whole shoplifting kind of thing happened. Two thousand one um, it happened apparently. Yeah. So yeah. So this is before then. But... Yep. Okay. It started kind of start before at this point, I felt. Yeah, and I was, and I remember I was going to talk to you about, and I do kind of, I guess, want to sit with this in a moment because, yeah. um, I because to me she was always, she was always meant to be like the the next big thing, like you know, you know, we there was um, uh, oh shit, my now my mind's gone blank. The movie where um Ben uh, Ben Stiller and uh, Matt Damon and oh my Reality god, bites. thank you, yeah. That had already happened, and that was a big thing. Obviously, Edward Scissorhands yeah, and Tim, Tim Burton kind of stuff. Um, X, yeah. Yeah. So, like, so, so she was huge, and so, and she was kind of like, um, uh, yeah, yeah, big, big property um, uh, as far as film filmmaking is concerned. Uh, I always seem to remember that my brother really liked her. Um, mm-hmm. so he's a little bit older than me, so I. I, I never quite clicked with her on that kind of side of things, but I did remember thinking, yeah, she's got good acting chops and, and, um, and I liked her from that kind of side of things. Um, and I remember like kind of when I went to rewatch this, I was just like, so where was that? Like, where did that sit with her acting? And, and I, and I know there's some bits, sometimes I find there's a little bit of, falseness in the way she acts she yeah it's in stranger things yeah it's really noticeable and and this this is kind of happening here a little bit and i and i i wasn't aware of it when i first watched the movie but more so now um yeah which kind of stuck with me a little bit uh, as i was going through it because and my and and once you know the reveal which i'm going to say now even though it doesn't happen till later um, that she's a, a cyborg or, or you know a, a, a robot. robot. She's um, a robot. That like, when you know that's happened, like when you know that, it, the, that it just loses her character. Kind of loses that initial intrigue to her yeah. when you upon first viewing. 
um, which is a sh- and she becomes a bit uh, like her character itself has not got a lot of personality to play with outside of that moment. Um, so I found her interestingly not. I didn't connect with her as much. Um, I found. Yeah, I think that overall was a failure of everything in terms yeah. of the writing, writing, and um, I mean, because the whole point is, that, yeah, again, if you're going to go through it, she's basically a spy on the ship. She, yeah. she got involved with the crew because she knew what was going on, just trying to stop it because that was her mission. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of yeah. There's just this one odd bit at the beginning where they see the crew come on board and they spend a couple of days R and R patching up the just on enjoying yeah. the hospitality on the much bigger ship and some of the crew are having coffee in the mess hall and she's at the end of the table and her hands are underneath the table and she's got a coffee mug in front of her yeah. and then she, she goes to drink the coffee mug and she brings her hands up and the, she's got boxing gloves on yeah. and she's trying to hold the, the, this cup with boxing gloves and it spills everywhere and, and you're like it's cute and now that you tell me that the filmmaker was a French independent filmmaker, I kind of get it now. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, I'm thinking, what was the purpose of that scene? I always thought <laughs> that that was because they were drinking stuff to get messed up, and technically, and that won't have any effect on her. So I, mm. I took that oh, from viewing okay. this time round. That yeah, was her right. way to kind of make out that she was slightly drunk, hammered. Oh, okay. And even though she wasn't, because as soon yeah. as like she's given the, and it's also because yeah. she needs to get out of that situation to go do her mission. That's true. Like, yeah, so, yeah, right, right. so like yeah. as soon as they kind of tell her to fuck off, she just literally throws the gloves, pisses them off yeah. and takes that moment to walk out. So, and, and clearly from the point where she's walking out, you go, no, she's not pissed. Um, yeah, you can tell yeah, her yeah. senses are with her. So I always went, oh, ah, yeah. okay. This time around, I say not always. Oh, good. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so she slips out, um, and this is where she finds Ripley, and she goes to try and kill her. She gains illegal access to the cell through the uh, the breath yeah, spray uh, thing. <laughs> breath spray thing was um, out, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is when Ripley kind of wakes up and just says, "Well, are you going to kill me or not?" Um, and uh, what happens there? And then um, uh, this is where she also sh- uh, pushes her hand through the knife. Ripley does pushes her hand. Yes, through the that's knife yeah. So that she can quickly heal uh, as well and she's like I don't give a shit bring it on and uh, this kind of um, hold on sorry uh, and yeah and she basically she did she also uh, at this point when um, uh, calls uh, so Winona Ryder's character notices that the scar on her on Ripley's body knows that the Embryos are already Queen's been removed. Yeah. So she's like, well, there's no point killing you because they've already succeeded in doing it. So um, so her, she then has to change tax. So she's like, I'm not really sure what to do. So she ends up um, getting out of the cell, but this is where she gets intercepted by Dr. Wren and mm-hmm. taken back into the hall with the other guys. And they basically are furious with her for trespassing and basically say they're going to have to kill all the, t- all the, um, all the crew. Uh, for mm. going against the, the routine of what they were called there for. This is when the Betty then pull out all the stops go kind of uh, and basically kind of <laughs> the the kick them. off. Yeah. And that was, that was a nice moment where like they had to give up their firearms at the beginning. They didn't, they're all arms and teeth anyway. Yeah. Um, Cause there's one mechanic, a mechanic character who's in a wheelchair and his wheelchair yes. is basically a, a roving gun with wheels. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they fight the way out, which again, which was, an element of the Firefly crew, which he, he did. 
because this is a mercenary crew that can really handle themselves. Yes. And in the Firefly crew, there's only three people who can, and and the rest of all there as passengers, not passengers, but they want to do other roles. But yes. the whole point is that Malcolm Reynolds can fight. His first mate is his best mate from war, so she can fight. Yeah. And they hired Jane, the guy with the gold name. Yeah. Um, because he's he's literally a, a an enforcer, but the rest of the crew can't shoot. Aren't yeah. you? And, and their solution in that situation wouldn't have been to fight their way out. With this crew, it's a different story. Yep. Yes. I do. They're going blasting away. Yeah, yeah, and there's that bit where also the reveal of uh, the, the Christie character has the yeah. uh, guns that are attached to him. Derringer, yeah, Derringer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, as well. So they basically kind of kill everyone bar two um, military Soldiers. people, one of them Ren and one of them the dude that was in clear and present danger. He's a sniper. Yeah. Is he the sniper? Yes. He's the sniper dude, yeah. I don't he know goes, his name. That's really bad. I don't know. He's sniper. Yeah. But here's the thing. He goes on. Here's about the clear and present danger. We might as well talk about other films. <laughs> um, the clear and present danger franchise. <laughs> yeah. Clear and present danger franchise. Jack Ryan becomes president of the United States. What? Uh, because it has a real... Um, I blame Trump. The, you know, the um, what's that TV series with West Wing? Kiefer Sutherland? Like oh no, twenty-four. No, no, no. It's the one where he becomes a president because of it's called the last man. What are the rules? There's a there's a rule in the State of the Union that one has to not attend in case oh. an act of terrorism kills all because all the leaders, senators, head of state in America yeah. are yeah. the State of the Union. One is volunteered, one is requested to stand down, and it was him because it was the Secretary of Education, and they blow up the White House and he ends up being president of the United States. It's called designated survivor. And that's his role. He's, and it's a real thing. He's a designated survivor. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. That's what happens in the Jack Ryan books because he ends up being secretary or something, I think. And then the fucking UN, uh, the State of the Union gets blown up. He becomes president of the United States. Okay. That sniper, that sniper character becomes his designated bodyguard. Ah, okay. Yeah, so there you go. That was very roundabout. Yeah, all good, all good. We love that here at Surgeon. Anyway, yeah. uh, when, when we dissect and discuss these things, who knows who what's going to come out of the. Uh, of we the, dissect uh, other things too. Oh, so oh, of the academies. Surgeons, yeah, yeah. If we were surgeons, <laughs> we'd probably start taking our scalpels to the nurses. It's not our fault. Just... It's not our fault when we cut these films open that we find remnants of other films inside films them. It's, the not, it's not on us. We just don't. <laughs> Don't give okay. us a scalpel. So, uh, okay, so uh, what happens then? So, yeah, the, this is where all shit goes loose, basically. And, yes. Um, so, so now the, the chase the chase element is set. We have, yeah. a, this is the bad situation. Yeah. Aliens loose on the ships. Yeah. These are the survivors. Who's going to survive by the end of it? So it is paint by numbers a little bit at this point. Yes. Um, there's one interesting thing, too, like when the aliens, because the aliens break out, I mean, we are skipping ahead, but there's one with Brad Dourif, yeah. Does this thing where he's aims behind a glass cage, he's doing experiments on them and he ends yeah. up hitting them with gas that hurts him. Yeah. And then and then he realizes that if he puts his hand over the buzzer, yeah, that they 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 will stop acting out and attacking the glass. That's right. So he says, Okay, they can reason, they can they can think consequences. Yes. Um and then they do this kind of clever thing where they escape. Um I like this um, bit. Yeah, which is nice because, like. yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. this is the first time that because they, they they assume naturally that alien that they they they're acid for blood, but why they can't? It's like you and I cutting this whole blood wouldn't do this of harm. Yeah, and they they technically don't, but they te- the three of them in a cage, and they, they, the other the two biggest ones sort of doesn't know well that third one's going, and they yes. they attack it, and they tear it to pieces because yeah. I need to use this blood to burn a hole in the floor, which is how mm-hmm. they get out, which was kind of a, a nice little twisty twist. Yeah. So okay. a not only can they can they think, 
and think logically and think intelligently, they have yeah. a ruthless, they have no moral code. Uh, that means no, no, no. And, uh, yeah, and that's what and that's what I liked about it because it's like it means that they are very smart predators essentially you know yeah. so that, and they and here okay my one my one big thing about this movie is that they the alien species the xenomorphs go around doing a lot of fucking killing right mm. and you're kind of going you're killing off your own supply it's if you're cool. gonna yeah, do that reproduce that's a good point. and I was just like there was pockets in it I was just like stop Killing everyone, like you need <laughs> these people. Like, what are you doing? If you're gonna do that, you're fucked. You're fucked as a species. Stop it. In vampire films, Paul roots for vampires. <laughs> you can, bite, like, you can kill that one, but don't. don't uh, I, I was just like, are you yeah, at some point? And and they there was a bit at the end where uh, Brad Dourif's character is still alive, and you kind of go, yeah, well, all right, that's very, a bit more yeah. like you know, in keeping with what they were supposed to be doing. Anyway. Um, Okay, so uh, where are we up to? So, yeah, all shit goes loose. And speaking of Brad Dourif, he goes to look down the hole um, yeah. that the... Uh, and then we get this stupid hand comes up over his face, pulls him down. Yeah. And like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that... And we think that's the end of him, but obviously I've already given the game away and it's not. Um, and, yeah, so this is where, like, everyone, all the uh, uh, military crews realise that shit's gone wrong. They start trying to escape, escape. their life pods and stuff. Some of them get away. Um, yeah. There is there is one life pod where we see the alien creature crawl inside it. We see all the blood splatter and stuff. Um, and then it explodes because uh, Dan had well, Captain... frozen yeah. grenade down in there. And, and there's this interesting thing. I always, I always love these things like in terms of our um, designers and, and production designers think of futuristic versions of stuff. Yeah. And the grenade he uses... It literally activates where you twist the top off, and yep. then he rolls it like a like a pop of grenade. But the top is the actual trigger that activates it. It's actually yes. sort of remote activated. And yes. Flips open the top, and there's a button that clicks it. Which I think oh, that's kind of cool. And as a kid, thinking, yeah, yeah, it's a kind of cool design. Yeah. Because there's grenades in Firefly in Serenity, which look like Mortine cans, and they twist them open like a Mortine can, like a like you know those those Mortine flea bombs. Yes, I know. Like anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Because remember, too, the grenades and aliens, whilst we're bringing it back, yep. uh, these little little handheld cartridge things that you flip over the top and you press the button. Yep. And I think that was kind of cool, too. Yeah. Uh, you you <laughs> have a stickler for those things, which is kind I of do. Like, I really like on one of these things. Yeah. Um, so, but the one thing that troubled me a little bit was Dan Hedaya's kind of character, the comical kind of way he dies in it, because, like, you know, they've blown up. Yeah, they've gotten everyone off bar him and this other dude, essentially, um, of the military crew. And and then all of a sudden, you know, we see the reaction of the, the private or whoever it is in front of Hedaya's character. And we see the alien kind of come up and puncture uh, back of his head into out. the back of his head. And he does that whole thing of like feeling yeah, around the back of his head, it. looking at it going, mm. and I just was yeah. like, yeah, that's a bit shit. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. It was crap. Okay, but he's dead. That's the point. He dies. So we kind of we need to move on quickly to uh, the main core, which is the the, uh, the the crew of the Betty, and and then we they they're kind of and they're joined by Ripley at this point. Uh, is this point? No, not at this point. Sorry, they um no. they're trying to make their way out. We've got Ren with them and Sniper Dude with them, uh, and trying to work a way to kind of escape essentially because they know that shit's gone shit's gone down. Then, then there's this weird bit, and then this is uh, with Elgin's character, so Michael Wincott's character, right? He's the leader of the group, 
But here's the one that suddenly kind of gets kind of like, oh, what's down that corridor? Oh, look, there's a torch and there's a gun. It's sticky. Uh, and then he gets um, pulled down from underneath. This is the Dallas moment from the first one, essentially. Like, we yeah. need to get we need oh, to get yeah. rid... They need to not... They need to lose their moral compass. He's the leader of the group, and they need to get rid of that kind of uh, leader quality, leadership uh, quality and wipe them out straight away. And this is what I was alluding to earlier when I was saying and um, it's interesting because he's he's a he's a good actor I like him as an actor I think he's good like and I and I found that interesting that that was that was that take on kind of killing him off quite early because what we're left with is like I kind of quickly did a thing where I scanned who was left you kind of know when Ona Ryder is going to be around for for a bit because she's a name by that point um and I'm kind of like who else is interesting that's left Ron Perlman. And so you kind of really know who's not going to stick around, is my point. Yeah. Um, and it's a case of when that's going to happen, um, when, it, when it does happen. So, mm. Yeah, I guess, I mean, for me, it was like, the, it was a little bit um, Steven Seagal in executive decision that you lost your, not that, not that uh, I mean, Cot was a big star, but he assumed because he's the leader of the group, he would be the leader of the group, and they killed him off. But at the end, you just bought yeah. the Dallas. You bought the Dallas moment. So I thought, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I always thought he was going to die. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't a case that I knew. He, I didn't think ever. I didn't ever think he was going to live it through. But I thought uh, when I first saw the film, I thought at least he was going to survive to a certain point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So and and the way I think what griped me more when I rewatched it this time round is the stupid way in which he dies. Because if he yeah. is the way he is, you wouldn't necessarily go off on your own, away from the main core yeah, group, yeah. to investigate something that looks like a bit of a light on the floor. Um, yeah. You kind of... You should be more street smart than that. Well, yeah, because like he's just like, this is shit. Like they, If they're supposed to be like survivalists, like they're pirates, they're used to fending for yeah. themselves, right? Why would you That's give a, a shit thing. about something in the corridor? You just go, I'm going to go back to my ship and get out of here because yeah, yeah, yeah. This, isn't yeah, worth, this isn't worth it. So I thought that was a bit of a weak, weak plot with it. Well, weak character arc for him. But anyway, yeah. I but get the reason gets, he dies gets, because... Yeah, you need to get rid of him. I just think but, he should have died in a smarter way. Yeah, but the moment is kind of saved a little in as to what happens next, Yeah, which is exactly. an alien comes down. Yeah. And sniffs out his body, which one reckon makes you go, okay, something's going to happen here because why the fuck would we care about an alien sniffing the body yeah. unless it's going to do something interesting with the body, like in, insert an embryo in a way that we've never seen before, which is what I originally thought. Because <laughs> body starts. Or, or yeah. end up skull fucking yeah. its head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, which again would have been like, okay, that's a, well, why, why did you let a French independent filmmaker <laughs> Um, it's what the French but, do. What can they say? Yeah, no, yeah, I've, exactly. ju- I've just like, alienated yeah. a complete. Uh, uh, well, anyway. I'm just saying. Yeah, can make the list of notes. Okay, so we've got some <laughs> feedback on the first cut. Yeah. Uh, we've got a bunch of notes to get to. We'll get we'll get to the third page in a second. We'll just go for the, the minor bits first. Anyway, um, so yeah, sorry, you were going to say yes. Yeah, we guess the, the skull fucking yeah. It's, it's um, yeah, but yeah, his body starts to move. And from yeah. the, I must admit, again, I don't know if this is in the script. I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking at the time, oh, okay, what's going on here? And then it literally, before my mind caught up, then you see the barrel come through his chest, which I think, yeah. oh, that's kind of clever. Yeah, Because yeah. she's used, used him as bait to lure an alien, which is you kind of so used to the other round, if anything. Yeah. But the aliens, the alien would, would, and so the alien is kind of unwittingly the fly in this 
Venus flytrap. Yes. Effectively, if the Venus flytrap was a shotgun, which it was, and then Ripley blows his brains out yep. using the, the Michael and Cut's body as, as bait, which is really cool. Yeah. Which I thought yeah, it was cool. Again, okay, this is my moment I'm thinking, okay, this is the director taking this shit script and making moments that, like, oh, at least that kind of saved it ish. So, yes. Right. Yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, because uh, what we did, what I what I skipped over the fact was that Ripley breaks out of her cell by using her blood as blood, well yes. to get away as well to burn through the door or or compartment to get out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So but it, what it, what this means, like that cool moment means, is that she is now with the Betty crew, um, so that, yeah. and um, and we get a the what side is she on? Who's she going to be? Like, you know, she has this alien kind of DNA, like, can we trust her kind of moment? We've obviously got Winona Ryder who doesn't trust her at this point um, because she knows who she is and what she can do, um, which adds to the, the tension of the group. And anyway, so they kind of are um, making their way across the uh, the ship where the Betty is docked. And this is where also uh, Ripley makes a comment about that the Origa is moving. Mm. Um, and Ren at this point, so token military guy that's left, he's the military guy that's in charge, bad scientist dude. Um, he basically kind of says, well, yeah, when, when the shit goes south, uh, the ship will go back to its point of origin, um, which happens to be Earth. And they are like, well, fuck, that's, this is going to be bad news if this gets back to earth but the only one that really cares is is um is Winona Ryder again the rest yeah. are like are all a bit like <laughs> the android <laughs> yeah. the android is not human yeah. yeah um the rest are all like fuck earth that's a shithole what do we care yeah um so you get the impression that earth 200 years beyond the future that we saw is is has yeah. gone to hell which you know most climate change uh, alarms will tell you is going to happen so yes. yeah uh, okay. maybe sooner we think yeah um, okay, so yeah, so all that's happening, um, and uh, they they decide to take Ren with them, uh, a bit more of a hostage kind of character rather than a willing participant. The sniper dude is kind of on board with them. He's like, no, no, fuck that. Yeah, he's suicide. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with you guys. Um, Along Which I way, think that's when the line came out in the script. Well, due respect, so you might fuck. Yeah, yeah, ah, that could be it. Yeah, I think that's when it came. Out, yeah. Along the way, they uh, then come across the lab where Gediman's uh, Brad Dourif's character kind of worked on the clones, and this is where Ripley has her moment of um, yes. empathy towards people like the her previous, who didn't quite yeah. get to her uh, stage of involvement. The um, mutations, and there's one that's a seventh, is it? Yeah, the se- I presume it's the seventh yeah. who's like this yeah. kind of um, mass of a body, kind of half body, half, I don't know, Play Doh yeah. kind of thing, blobby, yeah. the hut thing. Going kill me. kill me, kill me. for death. Yeah. Uh, but again, for me, Aliens was the first movie where I saw somebody say that. Yeah. As, and as, as a concept, as a teenager, like, oh, wow, somebody's mm. in so much pain that they'd rather choose death. And it's also become an I'll be back moment. Yeah, I'll be back line for the alien franchise is somebody saying kill me. It, yeah, it's got a few lines, but that's yeah, it was almost a bit like that a homage to that moment. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it's been, I mean, that moment has been lampooned in so many different comedies. Oh, hell yeah, 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 that's right. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that was the moment that ticks Sigourney movies really over seeing her previous sister in so much pain and all right. the other ones that did, didn't make it. So she takes a flamethrower, yeah. nukes the entire place, yeah. 
And then we get, uh, yeah, so she kind of burns the shit out of the whole lab. And we have this moment where um, uh, Perlman's character, Jonna, doesn't really understand why she did it. And it's like waste of animation. And there's this annoying bit that it sticks a bit annoyingly now where he says the line must be a chick thing. And today's yeah. standards, that kind of, you kind of go, Whoa, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. doesn't, that doesn't hit home, you know. Again, um, we're moving a fast paced world. That's what we do. We do. So quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, the crew also make another discovery uh, where the room containing what's left of the hijack crew that the Betty, um, Crew delivered to General Perez is is there, and one of the crew. So were these were these chromatized people criminals, or were they literally? I don't think they were. I think I think they were um, in, in fire stasis, and the and Betty, hij- Betty hijacked them, stole the bodies to be used. So yeah, definitely not the firefly crew. No, no, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, and then we one of them, one of the crew members is still alive, Purvis, played by Leyland Orsa, who yes. was in Seven. Um, yes, other stuff. He was um, a bad guy in that Denzel Washington film. Yes. Um, and Angelina Jolie, uh, the, the, the collector. The bone collector. Bone collector. Yeah. He was the bone collector, yeah. Ah. Yeah, he, he's always a bit odd. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he odd, plays odd people. Odd yeah. people, yeah. Weedy, um, weedy short. Um, yeah, so he's still alive, but Ripley suggests that they leave him behind because he's carrying... He's, she's um, got carrying an embryo. Uh, and she can smell it on him. Yeah, it smells like poo. Um, and uh, but uh, again, call uh, Winona Ryder insists that they bring him along because, um, if they make it back to the Betty in time, they might be able to put him in cryostasis freeze long him. enough, freeze him, yeah, and get it out, yeah. So, obviously, that technology is improved because, yes, previous yeah. up to that point, you once an alien's inside, you're fucked, yeah, yeah, so maybe, yeah, yeah, and so maybe those that seems to imply that no, no, we, we figured out that if you take them out surgically as opposed to. <laughs> Uh, going through other orifices, yeah, they got a chance to survive. Yeah, not that good. Um, okay, so uh, but they come across a bit of a hitch in their plan of getting across the ship when they discover that the I think it was the mess hall um, ha- is now underwater, and so they have to kind of uh, swim through. So again, this and this ties to me. So whenever this sort of thing happens in a film, yeah, it asks me, "Hey, okay, it is suspension of disbelief, but why is there gravity in space? Because who cares a shit about water in yeah. space yeah. if you're technically in space?" Uh, but again, it's a thing of like, well, it's obviously water that's sitting because it's being affected by gravity, so that's why it's a problem. So it it's just one of those things that bugs me a little bit, like. Okay. Look, it, let's face it. It was just an excuse to have Xenomorph swimming through water, Underwater. right? That that's Again, that was the, the key yeah, thing, which, you know. It, oh, it's such a set piece moment. Like, yeah. a lot of Hollywood. It's smack. It's smack of it. Like, right? by, yeah. yeah, it's made by set pieces. It's somebody saying that's a really cool drawing. Can we make an entire scene based on that drawing? And it'd be like, or could be like, let's brainstorm. What haven't we seen before? We haven't seen aliens underwater. Great, make it happen. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah this and that's what it, and that's yeah. what it's like. And yeah. and and even the moment itself. Feels like a shark film. Um, it's very contrived. Yeah, that that sex whole sections. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we I get. Mean, it looks cool. It does look cool. That's the thing. It yeah. does look cool. Yeah. But it, after, as after you watch it, said. you kind of just go. <laughs> you do That's kind of go. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. only. In, we know this is only in here because they go. This it's is going to look cool. Um, yeah. And it has no no framing at all with the rest yeah. of the movie. At <laughs> yeah, all. Exactly. Um, 
But we do get Dominic Pignon's character. So he's the uh, guy in the wheelchair who's now hooked, has to be hooked on the back of um, uh, Christie's oh, 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 Christy, Christy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because obviously he has n- not got the ability to move his legs. So yeah. um, so they go around that. We also get the other character who I hadn't mentioned yet, the, f- the other female character called Sabra. Um, yes, this is her. Yeah, and there's this moment just before they go underwater where she has this pained look on her face of like, oh, this is all too much. My The guy that I loved, which was uh, Michael Wincott's character, the captain, is dead. Uh, just in a fleeting moment. And in that fleeting moment, you're going to go, you go, yeah, you're next. You're dead. Um, yeah. Because it's so, real Poseidon Adventure. The other thing is, it's very yeah. Poseidon Adventure. Poseidon Adventure. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 Um, that's yeah, exactly yeah, right. Exactly right. She did. I don't think that was the thing that hits me about these, and this is in every Hollywood film, and I, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, it's not like, yeah, no, it is. People hold their breath for an ordinary long amount of time just to stretch out the drama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah you are you. thinking that, going, no, I, I'd be drama. fucked. I'd be yeah, like, yeah, that'd be fucked. <laughs> I, the, yeah. the most I can hold my breath when I'm not fucking stressing out and trying to exert myself is 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah. If at that. And they're I, under the minute, under the water for five minutes. Like I, minutes. I I do remember being really good at that when I was a kid. But I was a yeah, kid. Yes. Right. <laughs> now I'm a fat knacker, and it's really hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to do. But okay, so yes, yeah, so we have the whole underwater sequence bit, um, and there is a cool moment, cool moment where Ron Perlman pulls out the gun, fires it, and blows up uh, one of the animals that's chasing them. It's this slow motion acid and in the water. The, yeah. yeah. And I kind of went, hold on. If there's acid now in the water, aren't they fucked? Um, but but does no. water neutralize the acid? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, that was yeah. kind of a cool moment. And then we get the bit where obviously the, uh, the other alien creature grabs uh, Sabra by the foot and we see her getting pulled yeah. back and she suddenly can't breathe anymore. Um, yeah. But you kind of go, again, you just, that was another moment where I was just like, you're killing all these humans you're yeah. <laughs> how, Dumb are you gonna, how are you going to survive man Dumb aliens. you're not that smart okay yeah. but they come out the other side of the tunnel but this is when they find that they've been ambushed because where they come up to is like where the alien eggs are and that was a kind of yes. cool moment where they come up yeah they went to the wrong bit yeah 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 but there's a moment i think it's actually ripley's character that gets the uh face hugger on her face at the beginning but somehow she still managed to pull the thing off. Um, I mean, obviously she's going to because yeah. she's Ripley, but I kind of mean, remember thinking that, I mean, the thing was right on her face. I'm like, how the fuck did like, anyway, yeah. there, there, there are bits like this that annoy me uh, clearly. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. but they are able to get out of that situation again by the ingenuity of um, Christie's um, marksmanship when he fires the guns up against the ceiling, bounces back down and it blows up the eggs. Yeah. He seems um, to be a ricochet dude. A ricochet yeah, expert. A ricochet man. Yeah. And isn't there like a moment of the client that the the ladder he falls backwards on? He cooks his feet under the rungs. He, he this is that's upside Perlman. down. That's Perlman. That's Perlman. Perlman. That's yeah. Perlman. So they're climbing yeah. up. Yeah. So what's happening is is they're slowly coming up, climbing up this ladder. We have the soul Xenomorph still chasing them. Um and uh the guy um so christy's the one climbing up and on his back he's got um dominic pignon's character um, yeah 
on his back and he's the one shooting at the yeah. xenomorph trying to get rid of it and the guns jamming but there's a bit of they, he does actually manage to hit uh is that oh no they, then they, they somehow switch places and, yeah, so, and so, so pinion's the one that's holding and yeah. christy manages to fire a shot off and he hits a, a, a part of the xenomorph but the acid sprays up against his face yeah. Um, and that's when he calls up to uh, Ron Perlman's character for help, and he—that's when he hooks his legs, yeah, upside down, shoots upside down, shoots upside down yeah. wildly. Um, yeah. But he manages to kill kill the creature, but the creature's still holding on to um, Christie's foot. At which mm. point, Christie does the whole um, uh, <laughs> self-sacrifice moment, noble sacrifice moment. Yeah, yeah. And I, even then, I'm just like, why? Um, <laughs> like, like you're, not, dead. Yeah, like, yeah. you're not in danger yeah. anymore. Like, yeah, yeah I, I yeah. get you're struggling to hang on, like the dude's struggling to hang on, but anyway, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. so anyway, he, he dies. Um, and then what happens next? They get to the top of the um, the shaft, and this is uh, at the top is uh, Winona Ryder's character and Ren. Ren asks for her for the gun so he can shoot the hatch or something, but he ends up shooting her. Shooting her, she goes into the water. Plummets down into the water, we all think she's dead. She's dead. Although we don't think she's dead because we're like... It's Ren Ryder. Yeah. We're like, mm, yeah. interesting, unless that's a cool twist. Um, yeah. And, yeah, the uh, Ren guy escapes through the, hat, uh, the hatch door but uh, cripples them. They think they're stuck from the inside. Uh, but all of a sudden... Doors open, and lo and behold, it is Renona Ryder. Soaking wet, Renona Ryder. And what? Yeah. What's the biz? What's the biz? What's the shiz? It's all good. And they're like, Are you you're, still alive? You're a robot, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, she's a robot. So that all comes out. Uh, <laughs> the one great moment, and this is back in the nineties, and so I, don't know, I just found this funny. It was like yeah. where Ron Perlman, because he tried to hit on her, he's like, I can't believe I almost dropped a robot, and the other. The wheelchair character guy goes, yeah, like you've never fucked a robot. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That is funny. I actually quite like that that joke too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting too because the the wheelchair guy also has a bit of a soft spot for for yeah. her as well. So, and there's a yeah. moment of you can sense there's a moment of kind of regret in him too because he he liked her. You know, yes. Um, we should stop calling him wheelchair guy. That's really. Bad. No, his name's Reese. Yeah, Vrice or Reese. Yeah. Like that's why I kept saying Dominic Pignon because I kind of know the actor Pignon. more than Vrice. Yeah. His name is Vrice. Yeah, Vrice. Yeah. Yes. Um. So uh, Ripley's not. Uh, she she knows she knows what the deal is with Dal. Um. And she makes her show everyone her wound. Way. Um. Yeah. Revealing on the wires and the fact that she's an android. Um, and she confesses that she's one of the living very second generation of androids who were so lifelike that they gained consciousness and rebelled, burning their internal wireless modems and trying to pass themselves off as humans. We get the sniper dude uh, going a bit, kind of having a wet dream over this moment, um, as he <laughs> geeks out, um, having actually coming face to face with one of these literary things because he thinks, you know, a bit like Blade Runner, there's not that many of them around anymore. Um, and the replicants, and as well, about this time, mm. somebody will start to theorize that Blade Runner was in the same universe as Aliens. Yeah, yeah. Mm, interesting. <laughs> that could be kind of cool. 
Um, oh, yeah. And Carl seems humiliated that her secret has been discovered, but Ripley now understands why she feels a kinship with Carl, because both of them are somehow artificial uh, creatures that have been created in the likeness of human beings who are distinctively different, and we have a bonding moment between these two leads. Yeah. That come out of it. Um, now that they know her capabilities, they kind of do take her advantage of her, though, because they get her to wire up. She hacks through doors. Computer interface, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and She's just a USB. As, yeah, just as Rain tries to escape, she uh, into the Betty. She stops him as well, yeah. um, and then uh, what happens there? So, and she reveals that her personal mission was to destroy the operation um, and wipe out uh, the uh, the aliens, essentially. Um, but they still need to get to the Betty, is, is my point. Ripley, uh, but at this point, Ripley suddenly has a bit of a moment where she gets a bit kinky with the floor and then gets snatched through the floor by these alien creatures and then ends up in a body of um, an orgy infestation of xenomorphs. This is this was the ter- this was the turning point. Yeah, this the was turning point I was yeah. like, oh, I shouldn't have gone yeah. hasty with my extra half a star. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is where it doesn't kind of make much sense. Um, but she goes down into the ground, and this is where she comes across the uh, alien queen character. And this is I, I slightly get it because, like Ripley, she's not one hundred percent human. The Zen, uh, the Xenomorph Queen, isn't one hundred percent Xenomorph because she actually has uh, the human female, features. Internal organs of giving birth, so she can't lay yeah. eggs anymore. She has to physically give birth. Give birth like a human, like a human. And she has a face, a really dumb-looking face. Yeah, the face comes out with a little pointy up nose thing. Yeah, and she's grey and like what the fuck. The whole, I mean, the whole original idea because the whole drawings came from this fever dream from H.R. Geiger. Yeah, and the, the original drawings were uh, a xenomorph dome-like head with a female face. Which were the principal drawings that became um, the other movie? Yeah. The, yep. What's the film I'm thinking of? Species. 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 Yeah. And that was the original. I mean, those drawings came across, and they they, they morphed those drawings for the alien, but they huh. somebody used those original drawings to make species because that's what she was. Yeah. Um, um. And uh, but yeah, that's what you would have naturally assumed a human <clears throat> alien hybrid would look like. Is mm-hmm. something with a human face. Yeah. Whether it's actually a proper, proper human face or just features contoured to look like a human face, mm. but with the, the skull. So I'm guessing, I don't know why they changed it to this really dumb looking thing that they had. Maybe it's because they were stepping on species territory IP. I don't know. I'm but not sure. It, it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't work. work. It doesn't, it doesn't work. work. No. Yeah. Um, and we have this moment and we got, we also got, as I mentioned earlier, Brad Duris character is still around although cocooned to the wall. And he's marvelling at this kind of birth of this new creation, essentially, uh, with his scientific mind. And the creature is born. Uh, it takes one look at the queen and says, fuck that noise, and rips its head off because it, it doesn't off. like the look of it. Because it's yeah. it's like you don't want to recognise the fact that you are this ugly creature. Vanity. Mm. It's all about vanity at this point. Um, because so he is attracted to Ripley aren't we all um <laughs> and uh and he kind of instinctively thinks that ripley is the mother uh and wants to bond with her but ripley takes this moment to escape and and then there's this weird moment where the creature 
bites the head off or bites into the head of Brad Dourif. Yeah. It's this, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, gets a bit pissed off because Ripley hijacks it out of there too. And she makes a quick dash for it, manages to get onto the Betty. Um, and we think everything is well. Uh, Dominic Pignon's character, Reese, is struggling to fly the ship. And of course, Ripley knows how to do it because she's fucking Ripley. Um, and uh, she steps into the pilot thing, but that's when they also notice that the hangar doors open. And we're like, nah, okay, it's clearly on with them as well. Uh, as in the creature's gotten on board the Betty as well. And it's uh, Winona Ryder goes down to investigate and she's tr- struggling to close the hangar door and she gets a helping hand from the creature, closes the door. And uh, are you still with me, Anne, or are you, are you frozen? Uh, no, I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> just you you, just, down you had this look. You're <laughs> like, I am quickly trying to wrap ra- ra- around the last bit. You can <laughs> but tell. basically, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, black, the ship and is we crashing. Get, it well. We get the big yeah. kind of climax bit, essentially, with the interaction. Mm-hmm. So Sniper Dude goes down to see what's taking Cal so long. He gets his head completely pulverized by the creature. Uh, and then Ripley knows something's not right. So she then leaves Ron Perlman and uh, Reese uh, at the helms of the ship to go down and find out what's happening. And they have a bit of a sexual kind of, uh, as, as in Ripley and the creature, have a bit of a sexual mother, child Yeah, it's all moment. really fucking weird. Um, but uh, she kind of uses his, uh, uh, cuts her hand again and flings it, the blood against the only window, window that's in there, um, which then obviously and- break, breaks on the acid. Uh, and we have this moment where the, the creature then gets sucked back in uh, against the window with the, the small hole and uh, it sucks through. Yeah, it gets sucked it's through. really oh, gross. yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. dumb because a firstly yeah. again if you have a window that's strong enough to withstand reentry in, in space, it wouldn't yeah. be just one layer; it's multiple layers of glass. Yeah. So that doesn't work. Um, and yeah, just the whole yeah, the, the effect of it getting sucked out maybe it's actually scientifically accurate, but it just looks silly. Because it gets sucked with an iron needle and goes. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. the most annoying bit about that is the face is the last thing that gets sucked through too. Yeah, <laughs> and that to me was just right. like, yeah, that wouldn't that yeah, wouldn't happen. Really like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, the the creature's dead essentially, and yeah. then we get uh, the final moment where the Origo. So I'm sorry, kind of missed a bit where um, the big the big ship where they've just gotten off. Um, Winona Ryder's character bypasses it to basically crash into Earth. So we see that going into Earth and blowing up, at which point I'm going, that's a lot of damage. Um, going, yeah, but apparently Earth is a wasteland at this point. Um, considering I don't, it's got a, call. Yeah. Yeah. I don't anyway, recall how much they show of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just an overhead shot, but it looks like, yeah. you know, America um, yeah. from space and you see an explosion right. and you just I just remember going, yeah, uh, that's going to be a lot of damage. But but considering it's going to be a wasteland, I, when I think wasteland, I'm thinking Mad Max, you know, uh, Road Warrior, um, mm. in terms of what a wasteland would look like. But there's a lot of water still. Yeah, they land in a marsh or some shit. Yeah. Anyway, and so a sunrise. Yeah, so they break through the atmosphere. There's a really stupid line where um, um, Ron Perlman says something's on fire, and uh, Dominic Pignon says, "Yeah, we are." And Ron Perlman looks at him and goes, fuck, shit, you're right. Um, and, but they end up 
getting through the atmosphere and they have a moment where they all the four that are left uh, have a bit of a bond moment as they look down at new pastures which is earth and uh we have carl kind of saying uh, it's beautiful um you know uh what are we going to do and ripley basically says i don't know i'm a stranger here myself and then we just basically see the look of um them kind of coming over the earth that's it to horizon the so, sunset yeah they look they look at each other and then and then bill murray says let's let's stay here i'll just move here yeah. and to so yeah it's all <laughs> <laughs> is it raining i hadn't noticed it, yeah. um yeah yeah so it's, yeah 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 okay so okay so i know i really rattled through that last bit but i'm, I'm aware that we're crunching through <laughs> sorry and I, that's I, me because i all good, all good. But that's why I'm here to kind of uh, allow us to kind of dissect slowly and then quick, mad dash, hat things together. Quick, quick, quick. Let's get through this to get to the end. And we have done. So the fourth movie of the franchise has concluded. Where do we sit with this movie um, across all the four movies up to this? Well, well at this point, we, went, we didn't know what was ahead, which was no. that the, the franchises were going to diversify into Predator territory. I and those, yep. they're gonna they're going to do the Star Trek Enterprise thing where they're gonna go violate its own timeline and basically make no sense of any of the other films <laughs> yeah. by having them appear in the twenty late twentieth century, early twenty first century, and that just totally destroys everything that Alien and Aliens had set out to do. Mm-hmm. So the, the the franchise is gonna become a bit of a punchline. And so we had no idea how much more worse it was gonna get. Um, but at this stage I'm thinking they're just generic action sci fi films. Yeah trying to get a buck with set piece action pieces it's, and no real thought no real horror horror's yeah, gone out there's horror's not, you, nice. you it's not a horror film no don't feel a remote sense of horror i mean there's uh, a lot of debate yeah. about um alien uh, whether it's a horror it, to me it is there's the whole thing that's oh, on yeah. on the moment i've forgotten her name but there's a uh, uh, reporter that's um done a thing on twitter at the moment basically saying that you can't have horror in space um and everyone's like, um, alien, um, <laughs> and have really had a massive backlash against her. Um, really? yeah, yeah. Check it out. Check it out. It's quite funny. <laughs> um, so I, so, but, but of the franchise, like alien is the only one that's really horror. The rest, the rest is very much sci-fi action. And I know we're yeah. saying of horror, but we're kind of, you know, it's alien day. So we're going to, we're going to have a little look at this. Um, so, so yeah, you're right. They're, by this point, it's not. But there are like elements where they're trying to eke out what James Cameron did with yeah. Aliens, you know, in the action terrain, um, yeah. and, and never, and you never get. It's just not. It's not going to be the same. So, well, the uh, thing about Cameron and 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 um, um, uh, Scott, uh, <laughs> but um, but they always have. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Everybody has, this is a kind of, I'm, I'm being facetious and telling people who do make films, and, and which is no small achievement, but the ideas that Cameron has or Scott has, they're good ideas and they have the strength of will to, yeah. to see them done. Um, and that's it. There's like both Alien and Aliens had a strong idea behind them. And once they laid, laid that foundation down, then that can be a horror film or sci-fi action film yeah. that have, and but and they and and on top of that, they're both very skilled filmmakers, so they have the, the skills to execute a scary scene, a heart heart racing scene, a oh that's a really fucking cool scene, yeah. oh that's a really clever scene, 
that's a heartfelt thing. Like, you know, you can't just, if you if you do set pieces and paint, stitch them together, then you've got no soul. And that's what these this film in particular had, was no soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, with Joss, and it's interesting too, with Joss, the sort of writer he is, taking out all the, the politics and all the bad stuff about him, let's try and look at him objectively as a storyteller. Um, he's a very, very smart storyteller. He always has an idea and he explores it. Now, he was the guy when he was writing comics, he was the guy that came up with the X-Men cure. So up until this point, yes. the X-Men the X Men were like, okay, people were suddenly discovering these are really good stories and these are really relatable characters because these are people who are shunned by mainstream society because of mm-hmm. what they are. And that comic book nerds, if anybody's going to respond to that as a story idea, it's going to be comic book nerds. So suddenly the X-Men were like the most popular comics in the 80s because of that. They tapped into that well. Yeah. And it was weird and it came along and like, well, what if you couldn't? So the analogy with me would be, as a kid grew up in the 80s, being a minority and being very much feeling like the outsider. If somebody said to me, if you could be a white guy, Ant, would you take that? And and that's an interesting question. And obviously I would have said no, yeah. but if you really could do that, uh, the first thing I'm probably after saying no would be like, well, what would be the consequences of that be? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's what he said to mutants. Like, if you're a mutant and you're shunned and you have these amazing abilities, or maybe not, maybe your mutant abilities that you just look really ugly and you smell, um, <laughs> would you yeah, take a cure? Bad moment. Yeah. 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 But would you take a cure? And so, again, he's a smart man. He's a, he comes up with a smart ideas. And then he executed that storyline in the comic book brilliantly mm. with a really good series of comic books. And no, no, yeah. So, obviously, if you give somebody like him, hey, how would you do an alien film? He would be smart enough to go, well, I would do this. Yeah. Um, but obviously it had gone through a lot of permutations. I don't know the draft I read and how much. It was a feedback draft, as in like he was writing certain things because he was told to by the studio execs because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. back then he wouldn't have had that much power. So I don't know how much of this is his writing and how much is other people's people's fingerprints all over it. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't a very good script. Um, but I just think, yeah, that's that's the trick, isn't it? you got to have faith that the auteur that you give is – Got great ideas, can execute them, yeah. and boom, and that's what we get. And so, and then when you're putting so much money in that, it's very hard, I guess, for studios to not want to interfere. Um, because don't forget too, Alien, Alien was a runaway success. Probably not so much at the time, but like financially, it was it was popular. But it was it became better as it got older. Yeah. And Aliens, Aliens just took everybody surprise by surprise, yes. just how yes. great it was. And yeah, and like it got an Academy Award nomination. Like, what the fuck? But that's, I think people suddenly realise, oh, this Cameron guy fucking really knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was lightning in the bottle. But, uh, yeah, for me, Aliens as a franchise, and pretty science fiction franchise, has been disappointing in how limited it has been in, all the, in a lot of its iterations and how it's been told. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't read all the comic books. I don't know. I'm not, I mean, I'll be the first to put my head up and say I know far less yeah. about it as, as the comic book law and all the yeah. law. And there might be some amazing stories out there. I don't know. I know there's a Alien Predator Terminator crossover series of books yes, out there. Yes, I've heard I'd of that to too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I'll be the first to admit I'm talking from the standpoint of ignorance, but in the sense Yeah, we're that only talking about from the, the yeah. film universe. The, the films, yeah, yeah. Which, which suck by a large <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, all right, so obviously Alien and Aliens are um, on a, com- a completely different level, but when we look at Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, how do you feel like those two 
are, are we on a level playing field or is it kind of like those two, uh, if you measure those two together, would like, is one better than the other or are they pretty much? Well, uh, in fact, I, um, I think three, we look back at it, it's like, again, you get, it's because obviously Fincher is an author. Yeah. Um, I think he was probably too young. Mm. Uh, when he did it, um, so you do get a sense of like, okay, there seems to be an idea here, but it's kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, was this film was a paint by numbers Hollywood? Yeah. Okay. Seeing, um, seeing set piece, stuff stitching together. Let's make a big, big, quick buck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, like obviously they obviously ticked a few boxes to get it done, which is Sigourney Weaver didn't want to play Ripley effectively. So, so yeah, it's fine. We make it best. Any hybrid, yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it just, it just, um, for me, yeah, like it'd be one of those films that if it was a perfect, if you found a really good third film and just made it a great trilogy and left it alone, that'd probably be freaking awesome. Yeah, 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 I get you. Um, so like, yeah. he, and here's the thing, like, so like we're talking, so 1997 was Alien Resurrection. If we pull out the, uh, the Predator crossovers, Prometheus wouldn't happen until 2012. 2012. Um, that's a big chunk of time. So, like, there's a big gap between there and now. So, yeah. it felt like obviously, like, there wasn't really much else they could explore with that world at that stage. It, it, so. it feels that like, I mean, at least, yeah. I mean, again, I guess they kind of tried it by exploring the aliens' origins. Mm-hmm. Again, okay, you got an idea, but the execution was really dumb. Yeah. Um, um, and, this, and this Prometheus had did so many dumb things, like these explorers. Yeah. Again, with the timeline thing, the timeline was odd. Um, and then you get these explorers who, oh, mm. this is the first time there's an alien civilization. To, to our knowledge, it's the first time they've met an alien civilization and they look really pissed off because they're actually really pissed off because the alien civilization is dead. And, oh, here's an alien. Let's take our gloves off and fucking touch it. Like, what the fuck, guys? Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, look, yeah. I mean, like, we're about to kind of gauge into another kind of theater operation mm. by talking about Prometheus. And yes. if, if our podcast is still rolling around this time next year, that may well be the subject of choice. <laughs> Until then, um, we're, yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we're waiting to oh, see. Yeah. Oh, you've seen what's happened next with the pandemic. Sorry, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. What's coming? Uh, who knows who's going to survive? Um, but until then, um, we will probably bow out there in our, uh, our little dissection and discussion of Alien Resurrection in the name of Alien Day. What are you going to do for Alien Day? How are you celebrating it? Let us know over at Surgeons of Horror. I, for one, and I haven't mentioned this yet, actually, but I, for one, may well be delving back to the original Alien, um, mainly in salute of the late, great Yafet Kodo, who passed away um, just this year. Um, And I want to just watch that film in honour of his portrayal of Parker. Um, But (laughs) let us... um, Let us yeah, what, uh, some kind of parrot. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, uh, but until then, um, let us know your thoughts on Alien Resurrection. Where does it sit for you? Um, what were your in, uh, reactions to it when it came out? You've heard myself, Saul Marte, and Anthony, the big cheesy, discuss on it, of which I'd like to extend my thanks to Anthony and joining me on the discussions. And until then, hit us up on the usual uh, social platforms. You know where to find us by now. Uh, until then, thanks for listening. Goodbye. See you, bye.